Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, what's happening? Anything fun or interesting or controversial happen over the weekend? Oh, yeah, that's right. Everything that happened over the weekend was fun and exciting and crazy and controversial, and we're going to get into that right here on this Monday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Uh, And because, hey, look, the Hawaii football season kind of sort of is over, talking about UH and high school football here locally. You do have the Polynesian Bowl that's going to be played in January. You do have the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, which is going to be played on um the, on December 23rd, and you got, you know, the, the San Jose State-Coastal Carolina matchup with uh, Chevin Cordero coming back and all that stuff. So there's still football to be played here in the islands uh, that is attached to this season. Uh, but the Hawaii football season, more or less, is now wrapped up. Uh, but that doesn't mean that football season's wrapped up. And that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be weekly more and more football to talk about. And boy, is there a lot to get to. And so with that in mind, uh, it is a Monday. Day. And even though we are technically in the University of Hawaii offseason, uh, we got our resident football guru, my guy, my partner in the booth for UH Football Telecast. Rich Miano is in the house. Rich, how's it going? It's going great because as you mentioned, between the college football uh, conference championships, uh, the NFL slate, which was wonderful in terms of quality matchups and just everything else, the transfer portal, the controversy surrounding just about everything in in football, it was a wonderful weekend. Yeah, and uh, man, it's getting nuts. You got the, the transfer portal. It's portal day in college football. It's blowing up. There's quarterbacks that are like wholesaling it all across the country. Um, including Dylan Gabriel. Including Dylan Gabriel, uh, who has entered the transfer portal. And what is now uh, is being established is the entering of the transfer portal, not necessarily with the fully decided upon intention to go elsewhere, uh, but as a negotiation tactic. Uh, Rich, you know a little bit about this. You, you uh, are, are uh, connected to some people who are aligned in the NIL realm. And so uh, talk a little bit about how this now becomes an almost necessary step for some of the higher profile players to just test the waters here for the three to four weeks that the transfer portal is open. Yeah, it's almost free agency with no borders. And as you mentioned, the 30-day window, you'd almost it's almost economic suicide, I, I would say, if you didn't find out what your worth is, no matter who you are, unless maybe you're a kid. Caleb Williams, but if even if you're a guy like Dylan Gabriel, who's number one right now, and there's about 20 quality quarterbacks that have entered the portal, what are you getting now from the NIL? What can you get from another school? And then you can take that back as a tool and almost negotiate with the university you're at to find out what your true value is. And the NFL doesn't have this type of free agency. Yeah, and and the the money is not at all capped, right? I mean, this is just it's it's the wild wild west. And what's crazy to me is how you can have, uh, in the instance of like Cam Ward or some of these other guys, you can have reportedly offers on the table, like actual communicated offers, maybe not directly to them or however uh, it gets communicated through their various team channels, uh, on the table without them even having taken the step to officially enter the portal. And I feel like, okay, I know 
this thing is unregulated at this moment, and we're still trying to figure out what the guidelines and guardrails are going to be in a more uniform, almost federal, uh, federally established level. Uh, but this is one rule that's gotta at least be somehow injected at some point where you can get offers as many as you want, but you gotta at least announce that you're going into the portal first, right? I mean, that seems weird to me because that's such an influence for a guy. I mean, who knows when those offers were officially or or even behind the scenes communicated. It could have been like week three of the college football season and all of that time for the tampering to take place. That just seems a little weird to me. Well, well what happened, right, when you think back, and this is growing exponentially and it's getting crazier and crazier every year. Like I said, if you are a great quarterback, you'd be almost crazy not to enter the transfer portal because when the NIL started, you started to have agents basically representing these college athletes with commercial ventures, with monetary incentive, and then they became literally their agents that are now negotiating in the transfer portal. So it's like the old amateur you know, college athletics at the high-profile positions and high-profile sports everybody's represented because they need to know their true market value. And this is capitalistic. But we mentioned, you and I talked to how many college coaches, who is in charge here? Who is leadership? How can they reel this thing in? Will it ever be reeled in? Yeah. And, and it, you know, how much influence should the coaches who are involved have? How much influence should the administration of those institutions have? How is that money even ultimately supposed to be funneled to the student athletes themselves? In most cases, you have these collectives that are set up, and Hawaii has a couple as well, uh, where you can technically just go directly to the student athlete. In some cases, they have representation, and so you have even uh, these individuals who in some cases represent entire programs. But um, in most cases, you can go directly to the student athlete. Um, and that's it's just it's, it's crazy to me in that way because there is very little, uh, I would say, um, at least the appearance, there's very little appearance parent control that coaches have and maybe at the highest level when you're talking about the big dogs like a Nick Saban or somebody of that ilk um, there might be a little bit more control just because you're dealing with so much talent and so much money and you have a little bit more of that leverage but I feel like uh, when you move a little bit further down the spectrum towards the mid-major programs that's when it seems like this thing could be very loosey-goosey because you're talking about players who will very inequitably be offered money and and be given different standards of monetary temptations. Yeah, and when you talk about a school like Hawaii, right, say you have how many companies that can come up with six-figured sponsorship deals for the University of Hawaii, Bank of, Ameri Bank of Hawaii, American Savings Bank, First Hawaiian Bank, you know, First Insurance. You have some of these companies, uh, Hawaiian Air, which uh, all these <laughs> companies that you talk about, now you're getting the same NIL people that are going after these companies, and it's almost like, well, we have a budget that we want to give to the University of Hawaii, but do we give it to as a sponsor or do we give it to the NIL? That money's going to be divided up. It's almost like you're competing against one another here locally in some of the smaller markets. Yeah, and so uh, we just got a text. Let's throw the number out there, 808-296-1420. You can text in that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. This one texter says, hey, look, no regulation, free market. And yeah, that's all well and good, but you're talking about now a market uh, that is different 
uh, within the, the sport of football at the collegiate level, which actually has more freedom and more freewheeling and dealing uh, and less guidelines and structure compared to the professional version of that sport. And I think that's where it gets – this is just – it doesn't feel Good right. It just feels like there needs to be uh, more reins put on this thing. But at the same time, the NCAA has completely washed its hands of doing so to this point. And so that's the situation. You just have now this free-for-all. And, and yeah, the, the marketplace will, in essence, determine what the value for these guys is. Uh, but there is no limitation to that. And so now this becomes, uh, you know, we always say, wow, Wild Wild West and that kind of thing, but it becomes this ever-expanding balloon, and you just wonder, all right, at, at some point, how do you even rein that in and put yourself in a position where you can apply certain standards and regulations just to kind of keep it within, like, the the universe of what is somehow appropriate for what we also consider to be fair competition and play on the field. Yeah, and that's in any industry. I don't care if it's banking, insurance, whatever else. You mentioned professional football. There, we're all capitalists, I would imagine, but at the same time, there has to be rules. And there has to be leadership so that people understand what the rules are and the haves can't take advantage of it so much that the have-nots become disenfranchised or at least, and that's probably what we've talked about for the last five or six years. If it continues to go in this direction, you're going to have an NFL-like type of uh, collegiate. And do they even go to school? Are, are they held to any academic standards? And the, you know, where does this go? And it continues to grow. The problem, I think, we, you and I see is, will Hawaii be the have or have nots? And it, it, it seems like we're getting less and less of the equitable or, or the potential for this money to be distributed to some of the great players. Yeah, and, and this isn't even where I was planning on starting the show. Like, I was <laughs> I was thinking college football playoff. We, we got to get into all of that and certainly want to take some calls and, and any questions or comments about that as we move forward. But while we're here, you mentioned the University of Hawaii and its place within all of this as one of the group of five programs, right? And, um, you know, as it pertains to the college football playoff, it strikes me as hilarious to hear FSU and some of these other programs and people who are associated there who are up in arms about uh, the inequity of a team that goes undefeated and doesn't get its opportunity. And it's like, well, now you know a little bit more how it feels to be on the other side of the fence. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. But as it pertains to the transfer portal in the NIL universe in which we live, um, how concerning is it for you when you talk about standout performers for the University of Hawaii. And you know, there is in the very real world of this, a uh, little chance if one of these players is uh, attempted to be lured away by another program who likely will have more scratch to deal with or even a more established infrastructure with regard to the NIL um, and, 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 and the money that's available there. Uh, in, in most cases, I think we can probably assume it will be unlikely that Hawaii would be able to match some of that money for these standout performers talking about some of the individuals there, right? Um, you know, there was uh, 
a, a false report, at least initially, about Braden Shager entering the transfer portal or planning on doing so. To this point, no official report that he has. We're all keeping our fingers crossed. Timmy Chang uh, reposted uh, a, a report on that and then tweeted that Braden Shager's here to stay. Um, you have Matt Shipley, who was the hero in that final game for Hawaii, kicking his career-long field goal 51 yards. Uh, and it wasn't very long after that that he announced he's going to enter the transfer portal and uh, there's some murmurings about where he's going to end up here. Uh, But how concerning is that prospect from your vantage point? Because the other side of this is as a mid-major, it is a two-way type of street. It is a revolving door, so to speak, where you will be hit by transfers who will depart. But uh, Hawaii becomes, as we have seen in other instances, Stephen McBride being the perfect example, uh, it can work the other way as well. You will uh, acquire talent from elsewhere, in some cases power conference programs, because of the fact that you have more fertile opportunity as opposed to some of the money that's there. And that's the other thing, right? That is paired directly. That is absolutely associated with one another. Opportunity to be able to play, show your worth, and then get paid for that level of play and worth. Yeah, and I think what it does is you're going to have rosters you're not even recognizing year in and year out, and and guys staying four or five years, especially when you develop a talent or find some hidden gem. And there's a rumor that Matt Shipley is going to one of the most powerful universities in the history right, of on, college football. Spill the tea. Here we go. So you can do the math there, but think about can that. I, can I just throw – I, I don't want to say the name. Does it rhyme with Schmalabama? Yeah, and <laughs> there's something to do with rising the tide. Okay. Right. Okay, so say hypothetically he goes there, right? And I said this three years ago. Every single Power 5 conference that, you know, SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12 – those guys will have one guy on their staff, and they'll go through the group of five conferences and go like, okay, we can offer Ashlock Perfelli, Perfelli Ashlock, $250,000 a year. We'll go Braden Shager. We'll go $400,000 a year, and we'll get Matt Shipley, whatever the money. And maybe they'll even go into the Pita Manu Maz or whatever. If you feel there's a player on a non-Power 5 conference, and you'd have one coach that did every single conference, that's all they do. These guys have analysts. They have consultants. They have staffs of 100 people in their football department only. And all they're doing now is poaching from the non-Power 5 conference players. You develop them. You're like the mind league and then they go getting paid by the power five conferences that is ultimately what's going to happen and you only have to rely on what you said Kano is well do you actually want to play because you're a backup at, at an yeah. sec school or a big 10 school yeah yeah come to hawaii no exactly uh, certainly as a transfer and i think what gets lost in this we've said this a few times here on this show as a matter of fact what gets lost in this is the fact that it is underreported how many players enter the transfer portal and the really large number percentage-wise of those players who end up losing everything. They don't get uh, another scholarship offer. The grass isn't greener on the other side. They get stuck in the portal, and by that time, there's no retracting or reneging because their scholarship place on the roster at their previous spot is now gone. And that answers the question from a texter. Uh, If you enter the transfer portal, this is Greg who texted in, uh, and do not get picked. Can you go back to your original school? You can do that. 
but they may not be that scholarship. That scholarship you might not about, be. That's the and, risk. And, and you're talking thousands. I forgot what the number was last year. You're talking about thousands of kids that lost their education, their scholarship, their place, and their chance to play football. So that's where I think some of these parameters have to change because you're talking about thousands of kids that no longer have that opportunity to get a degree. Yeah, and so that's you know when you talk about free market and all that stuff, that's well and good. But I think part of the regulations that you want to apply are to protect the kids themselves. And you would hope, and, and maybe if there were more accurate reporting on some of the numbers of players who get lost in the transfer portal system, uh, maybe that would start to police itself, right? That would be the hope. Uh, but no, they're, they're being sold on this big, bright, money-making uh, green pasture uh, that seems to be on the other side of the portal. All you got to do is walk right on through it and get paid and be rich and famous and all that stuff. And I think that that is very seductive to college kids. You're talking about 18 to 23-year-old kids. Of course, that's going to be something that is tempting. And if you know anything about these kids, they all think they're going to play in the NFL, which is, not, I think it's, I don't know, 2 3% that actually do. But And they all have these grand illusions and all these other things. But guess what? You're right. I think some of this education allowing them to know what actual numbers are and the ability to come back to your school before it's too late would be very important if you cared about the student-athlete. Uh, we had another texter. Hawaii will never reach its past glory. NIL will make Hawaii a bottom feeder. Not the most optimistic take, uh, but certainly I think a valid fear within this ever-changing landscape of college sports. Uh, your opinion of that, how Hawaii can potentially successfully navigate the NIL, is that a possibility? And that, and that's why I think that it's so important to build facilities that are comparable to the conference you're playing in. And it's also, you can always sell Hawaii, and that's a wonderful sell for all of us that love and, and understand this place and are passionate about it. And I think Timmy Chang and his staff can do that. But that's why I think it's really important to get some facilities as well, because these kids, these student-athletes, spend a majority of time in that complex. And you can't be a high school complex when you're competing for colleges that have real facilities and what I'm talking about is the performance centers, the nutritional centers, the legacy halls, the game rooms, the barbershops, <laughs> all of these things that these other schools have, you have to at least stay up with your peers. Yeah, man, they got barbershops at these other schools, <laughs> like legit, like little barbershops. It's crazy and the players themselves do all of the haircutting. It's it's wild, man. It's a wild world out there. This college football thing has really kind of gotten away from what the, the pure foundation was. That's another reason why unless you're iconic you can't be old you have to be young because this stuff changes every yeah. single day you, this whole nil thing the social media thing the transfer portal if you're not young enthusiastic and full of energy this game right now is different and that's why he's rich miano that's why he's the resident <laughs> football guru because uh, full of energy that's uh, that's the embodiment of this guy here you can catch nfl football at 850 craft beer and whiskey bar at leeward bowl they're open at 6 a.m sunday showing all the nfl games for monday and thursday night football you can enjoy the happy hour poo poo menu from 4 to 7 p.m uh, it's also the home of the new video wall, and that thing is absolutely impressive. The place for college and NFL football. All right, uh, when we come back, Rich Miano's in the house. Uh, we got to talk about this college football playoff and what the committee decisions, uh, whether or not they resonated with you, if they made the right call. It was absolute, utter chaos uh, in college football yesterday and was actually kind of entertaining to watch, uh, especially some of the reaction. We'll get to that. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. Oh, yeah. This is some 
sultry Christmas music coming your way. It's the holiday season here, and uh, we like to uh, take some little snippets off of some of the classic Christmas albums, like Boys to Men Christmas Collection, and you know some of those. So. Philly bound. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Motown Philly. Look at you, uh, spitting and flexing a little bit of knowledge here. Uh, this is Kanoa here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. That's Rich Miano, our resident football guru. Uh, this is Let's Talk Sports, and 808-296-1420 is the number. You can text into that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line as well. Spent a lot of time talking about the transfer portal. It's portal day. Deion Sanders, one of the people who's been uh, doing all kinds of interviews today, and he's been celebrating and dancing. Portal day! Like it's becoming an almost holiday uh, unto itself. Um, and probably a more celebratory type of holiday at certain programs, and maybe something that brings about a little more fear at other uh, programs. The last thing I'm going to say about it, and I do want to talk about the college football playoff here uh, with you, Rich, but the last thing is uh, something we brought up during the break, where the transfer portal is one thing, because the transfer portal at least provides some level of, of college football evidence as to what the value of a player is. If you haven't played and you're at a Power 5 program, then all right, it's kind of unknown still. You go through the portal, you'll find that your value might not be as high as other players who have established tape and established, you know, visuals on the field. Uh, if you are a college player who has proven yourself as a guy who can hang at the collegiate level, then that value is going to be attached to you there. Uh, the thing that's weird about the NIL uh, overall is when you talk about the high school kids and you're talking about these prospects who come up and what they are making, in some cases, absurd amounts of money, and that is purely on potential and even in the nfl they cap that because they realize like it's kind of insane to give these astronomically sized contracts to players who haven't been able to prove themselves as even being professional players and so that's the part of the nil thing that is really slippery to me is the absurd amount of money that goes to players who haven't even proven themselves yet to be able to have made that transition to the college game. At least the transfer portal, to some degree, that's where the market value is a little more accurate or, or potentially pure, if you can even say that. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, the, the eye in the sky don't lie. The tape is what you are. But there are guys speculating out there. And you talked about the high school speculation. There's also speculation going on if you're a four or five star and you may be behind some type of all-American guy who's one of the best in college, but you just happen to be at Alabama, Michigan, uh, Ohio State, whatever else. So it is uh, the wild, wild west. It, it is capitalism at its finest. And it's not an exact science, but I think Deion Sanders was the most honest when he said he's buying a new offensive line. Yeah, all right. Uh, again, 808-296-1420 is the number. Text in at the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, we have Analu, who is on uh, the phone line with a question and a comment. What's up, Analu? Hey, hi, guys. How are you doing? Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. First day of NCIS filming, so, you know, way back in schedule. All right. Back the strikes are over, baby. Yeah. That's big for Hawaii. Oh, it's still struggling. Anyway, that's besides <laughs> our point. My, my question, uh, then if I, you know what, I'm going to go with the comment first. Okay. Uh, I totally lost his name. Our kicker from UH. Matt Shipley. Okay, so he's transferring, so I, you know, I put him on the back burner in my head, I guess. Shipley, 
He's transferring, and I wish him all the luck and great. He did four years for us. Most back in the day, you only had four years. He's lucky <laughs> if you had a fifth. Well, anyway, here we go. Um, do we have any other kickers on the team? I'm so far lost on that. Yes, yes, they, they they do have other kickers on the team. Uh, even their kickoff specialist, Ben Falk, uh, is a Ooh, place yeah. kicker who has a huge leg, uh, but Matt Shipley has yeah. been the guy with the job here the last few years. Yeah, four years, whatever. We good. Um, wish him luck, as I said, and uh, we always have good kickers since Larry Price days, you name it. True. All right, all right. Yeah, we appreciate it. Is that, uh, I'm going deep. Yeah. I'm going way back. That's right, that's right. All right, well, uh, hey, appreciate the call, Analu. Thank you. Really appreciated his services for the university. He went to many coaches, but, man, he's going to do good one day. Could it be somewhere else? Who knows? You're talking, him luck. talking about Matt Shipley, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. We yeah. still love Shipley, and I really I loved what he'd done for us, and it was awesome watching him grow throughout his four years here. Yeah, he came up clutch. He Agreed. came up clutch a number of times, that's I mean, for sure. You can talk about Jim Asmus. You can talk about Lee Larson, Richard Spellman. I mean, obviously, Rigoberto Sanchez, Jason Elam. I mean, there's been some great kickers. Uh, Justin Ayat. Dan Kelly. Dan yeah. Kelly. Yeah, the list goes on and yeah, on yeah, for yeah. sure. Good so, kickers. yeah, I mean, you know, that's – if you're going to lose a position player, you know, well, Matt Shipley, I think, embodied kind of a, a certain spirit with this team and came up clutch. Yeah, I don't think we begrudge him necessarily. He put in a significant amount of time and is using an opportunity to, to parlay his last year of eligibility into something different. And if some of the uh, murmurings and rumors are true that that location uh, <laughs> might be uh, in Tuscaloosa, then uh, that's another reason it's a little hard uh, to hate on the guy if he gets an opportunity uh, to kick in those kinds of situations on that stage. Peter we, Kim did it. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, we do have a another texter coming in basically asking you, Rich, would you take a coaching job without NIL support? It's kind of an interesting question. Basically, that's now something you need to have as an infrastructure within or around your program, right? If you are even going to accept a coaching job. Yeah, and, and anytime you evaluate a coaching job, right, you evaluate all of those yeah, things. Yeah, the booster support, win, all right? of that, right? It, so that's that's a big part of the equation now, and I think that's why we have to all support Timmy Chang, because if UNLV, if Colorado State, if, if Boise State, if all of these San Jose State have all this NIL money, it almost gets to be unfair. So along with facilities, which we always talk about on the show, along with uh, public support, private support, NIL support, facilities. I mean, there's so many things that go into the equation. Can you win without money? Not in a Power 5 conference, you can't. Yeah, no, I mean, the NIL is now very much attached to general booster support. And if you don't have an appropriate booster club in place, uh, if you are a coach that is accepting a new job, uh, that's going to make it awfully difficult. And so the NIL is an extension now of that. So I think that comes with the territory, and that's something that, you know, uh, it's it's a little bit maybe easier easier to coax a young coach or a first-time head coach maybe into accepting a job that doesn't have all of that stuff already exactly. in place, uh, but it's going to be awfully hard to and, uh, be able to lure coaches with experience And if you look way. at Timmy Chang's salary versus some of the other Oof. Mountain West Conference coaches, it's uh, it's unbelievable how small it is. Again, he's a first-time head coach. He's given an opportunity, but you talk about pay scale, he is at the bottom of the bottom. Yeah, I mean, you're already seeing it. I mean, you're already seeing you have head coaches in certain conferences for certain programs, um, look at their salaries compared to what players 
make <laughs> at other programs, sometimes within the conference. I mean, I think that's, you know, we don't know all of the, the inner workings of what's happening with Kim Mulkey and Angel Reese at LSU in women's basketball, uh, but it would probably be safe to uh, somehow suggest that if there is some friction between those two individuals, a lot of that can also be attached to the idea of, you know, these players are like making big money now, and maybe it's a little less um, appealing to be getting denigrated or verbally uh, cast out by your head coach when you are feeling like, hey, look, like we're, we're, we're more peers financially and, econo- and economically now. The tier system almost changes and blurs because of the money that the players are now realizing. Yeah, and we've got to talk to some of the older coaches that are used to the old rules where you have a player basically when you recruit him for five years. That's no, you're recruiting, re recruiting your players, constantly recruiting your players. Can you coach him hard? Can you teach him life lessons? You got to be careful what you say to him. It's a whole different world in terms of. NIL transfer portal. These kids can leave at the drop of a dime. Yeah, another texter asking where Dylan Gabriel's going. We mentioned that he's in the transfer portal uh, after two years with Oklahoma. He wrote a beautiful letter to the Oklahoma fans, but uh, we were suggesting it's not a guarantee that some of these guys who enter the transfer portal are going to leave. Some of this has to be attached to just trying to test the waters, uh, test the market, see what their value is. And in the case of an Oklahoma, um, you know, there's probably a greater chance for a guy like Dylan Gabriel, if he doesn't like what he sees in the portal, to be able to go back to Norman and say, all right, I'll I'll take my old job back, if you will. I think for some players uh, that aren't of that established level, uh, it is difficult to go back sometimes because that scholarship offer uh, or that scholarship spot on the roster might have been given away. Yeah, and you and I were talking off air. If his agent, whoever's representing him, goes to Oklahoma and says, here's what we got. We got $3.5 from Ohio State. We got $3 from USC. Uh, We got $2.5 from Washington. Can you match it or can you come close? That's his true value. And then Oklahoma has a decision to make because they've got a lot of money down there. All right. We didn't even get to the college football playoff yet. We're definitely doing that on the other side of this break. But first, win a $1,000 cash grand prize and $100 weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. Brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. Did the committee get it right? That's the question I'm asking Rich Miano when we come back. Man, we got the Christmas music now for the bumpers coming back in from break. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be a little bit more in the spirit around here at ESPN Honolulu. Kanoa Leahy, Rich Miano here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. It's a Monday, so uh, our resident football guru, Rich Miano, sitting in as the guest co-host. One of those shows where you feel like you could go like three hours uh, and just talk about college football or even talk about the NFL. We haven't gotten to the NFL. We haven't even really been able to get into the meat of this college football playoff bracket that was set up and announced yesterday. Uh Oh my gosh, was it entertaining to watch the reaction for the six or seven hours where there were people who were just furious. Most of them were associated with either Georgia or Florida State. Florida State completes an undefeated season, ACC champion, but they are left out of the top four uh, by virtue of the fact that basically it came down to they didn't have their star starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, uh, who suffered a broken leg and is out for the rest of the season and so they were playing in the ACC championship game with their third string uh, quarterback and 
that really is what it came down to. I feel awful for that kid because basically he's looking at this selection show and going like, oh, it's me. It's, 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 I'm the reason why we didn't get in despite the fact that we are a Power 5 conference team that went undefeated. But I'm going to ask you, Rich, uh, the four teams that they picked, do you agree with the selection? So just to recap, uh, for those who don't know, you got Michigan, yeah. you got Washington, you got uh, Texas, and Bama, by virtue of its win in the SEC championship over Georgia, three-point victory, it squeezed itself in, and FSU became the odd team out. So did they get it right? Well, first of all, I may get sidetracked, because i got to talk about the evolution of this whole thing, right? Because before, I used to be a guy that, like, I'm, I'm so old, that AP, UPI, mythical championship. Then it was like, this gonna, they're going to pick two teams. Oh, yeah, that was the BCS, BCS right? And then right? you had 2004 with yes. Auburn. They go undefeated. Yeah, they don't even get yeah, yeah. in the BCS so championship. talk about the history of this, right? And then you go, okay, we're going to move to four teams. No, 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 no. Let's make it eight teams, right? And how long is is this four-team format going to work where the fifth team is going to get totally screwed? Are the sixth team going to get really screwed? So what do they do? They're going to go to 12 teams next year instead of eight. If you would have had eight this year, think about hypothetically that playoff scenario with the, the actual there's more money for everybody involved because it's more of an NFL type of format, whatever else. And then you look at, my whole thing was chaos. I wanted to see yeah. Oregon win against Washington. So there'd be all these teams that are 12 and 1, 11 and 1. Uh, so they, this this selection committee would have even a harder time because now you have basically Oregon winning the Pac 12 championship, but you had Washington that's 12 and 1. You had Texas that's 12 and 1. Alabama beating Georgia, so that would screw that whole scenario up in the SEC, right? And then I wanted even Florida State to lose, whatever else, so that there'd be all these yeah. teams that are 12 and 1, whatever else. The scenario played out because of the TCU rule. T- there'll never be another team that they feel that it's not uh, competitive enough, no matter how many games you win, what conference you're in. It basically, if the, if FSU had the starting quarterback back, they would have made this playoff. So you're, you're basically it's saying all television, if, if, it's all money. You're basically saying if TCU didn't get shellacked last year, and yes. I, I think Stephen A. Smith posted something like this in the immediate aftermath of the selection show, uh, that that kind of ruined it we'll uh, never because again. the committee has that in the back of their minds. No like, why are we, based on the appearance of what this Florida State team is constructed to be because its offense takes such a hit because they don't have their starting quarterback yes. there, who was a superstar quarterback. Superstar. And, and I, I hate to sort of say this uh, about Brock Glenn, the third stringer quarterback, because like I feel so bad for this kid. But they weren't the same offense. It was clear. It was obvious. They still had a great special team, still had a great defense. And so you, as you can talk about, they were more deserving. But that's the thing. The college football playoff has never been about who's the most deserving. They try to feign as though that's part of it. They try to say, hey, look, you know, there are some wins here that mean more, and they earned their way in. Alabama earned their way in by beating Georgia. That's the most impressive win of the season because Georgia had won 29 straight games and all of this stuff. But it's never been about merit. It's a beauty contest. 100%. It is about which teams at that moment in time come Selection Sunday pass the eye test. And it's considered a contest of who the four best teams are. I don't love it. It's not at all in the spirit of college athletics. It's the only sport. It's the only version of that sport where at the beginning of the season, not everybody is even in theory on the same starting line and not everybody has some path 
way to get to the national championship game or win a national championship. It is a beauty contest. It is the voice. It is American Idol. Uh, they they probably could get similar results if they just opened it up to like fans calling in a hotline to vote for who they think would be in the college football playoff. It's a beauty contest. It's a total beauty contest, and that's why I like I was not I was in favor of going from two to four, but I wanted to go to eight quickly as possible so that maybe we could get to twelve and that'd be fair. But again, we're going from four to twelve. We never went to eight. If we had eight this year, just the television money alone, the the, the representation, it's who's playing well at the end of the year, just like in the NFL. You may have a screw up, you may have a hiccup here or there, but that does not mean right now that Oregon could not beat Washington. I know they lost to them twice, but at the same time, they if they were in this championship, it'd be exciting to see how they play in the semifinals before you get to the finals. And it just makes it more equitable that more teams have a chance to be the national champion. Yeah, I, I think a team that has beef uh, is Georgia, right? Georgia. Georgia's like, we won 29 20, in a row. We're two-time defending yeah. national champs. You know, we lost by three points to Alabama in the SEC championship Ran out of time. Game. If you're talking about the four best teams, are you telling us, the Georgia Bulldogs, that they're, we're not one of the four best teams? Exactly. But that said, you know, there is still a causality here. Like, the committee still can't be so brazen to say, all right, we know that Texas beat Alabama and Alabama beat Georgia, so Texas, sorry, Georgia's in, you're out. Like, they can't, there's still some sort of, like, moral limitation to what the committee can feel like it can actually pull off. But in this case, I do think, I, I don't love the system. I hate the system. I Good. think the system needs to be fixed, and that's the problem with college football at the highest level is they've never gotten it right. They've just always thrown noodles against the wall and been like, all right, we'll see if this works, and if it doesn't, then we'll tweak it slightly and see if that works a little bit more and is just less dastardly. Um, I don't. I hate the system. But in this circumstance, I can understand why they look at Florida State and they say, yeah, they're undefeated, but they're just not set up to be able to compete. And I would challenge some of the Florida State fans, would you bet a bleep ton of money on FSU against any of those four teams that did get into the college football playoff? Honestly, would you really, honestly, if you took your heart out of it and objectively decided to make that call, would you do that? No, because I'll make the comparison. When Brock Purdy went down last year and they had to play Philadelphia, that was the difference in the game. They were on their third string quarterback. They were on Christian McCaffrey because the NFL was too stupid to have three quarterbacks (laughs) in uniform, which they've changed the rules. But you cannot play football in this football the quarterback position is is the most important position in team sports. When you lose your quarterback and you're in your third quarterback, it makes it so much harder to win. So they pick the best four teams that would give them the best television ratings, that would be the most competitive games. And you look at Florida State. They've got first-round draft picks on defense. They've got a bunch of players that can play. But as soon as they lost that quarterback, it changed the narrative. Yeah, and they would get their second-string quarterback who was bounced because of a concussion against Florida uh, in the uh, regular season finale. They would get him back. That doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that he's going to be a Jordan Travis level quarterback and you know I I also understand some of the argument that you hear from uh, some of the Florida State people saying and even some of the pundits who are like well we don't know we we can't be you know gypsies here we 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 can't predict the future who knows if Florida State could or could not have competed in whatever matchup they would have had uh, in the college football playoff and I was like well if you're going to apply that theory then where was that theory when UCF went undefeated 
Where's that theory with, I mean, you know, this is a little bit more of a stretch because of their schedule, but where's that theory with regard to Liberty? They're undefeated. Yeah, they're out of the Conference USA, but they're undefeated, so you can't just pick and choose when to apply said theory about, well, we don't know what would have happened. They didn't get the opportunity. Well, where was that question then? Well, think about this whole thing, right? There used to be a Power power 5 conferences. Now there's four and two. Power 4 with two in the Pac-12. Think about when you said there's going to be four teams. You left one major conference <laughs> yeah, out of the playoff to begin with. That's happen. why it's been screwed up since its inception and should have been eight a long time ago. Yeah. So at least all the power fives would be represented. You'd have a, some Cinderella teams in there. And that's what America wants to see. But it took them how many years have we been with four teams? <laughs> Yeah. Is yeah. it five? Is it six? Is it seven? I, don't, I can't even remember. So that's the part that, you know, in my maybe sadistic nature, that's the part I, I look at this and I think, like, that's kind of hilarious. Like, it's pretty entertaining because they essentially, these 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 halves of college football, right, these power conferences, they did it to themselves. They agreed <laughs> to do this. Five power conferences, four spots in the college football playoff. Like, you kind of did it to out. yourself. Yeah. And then what also entertains me is when you hear some of the reaction by, you know, whether it is Coach Norvell or, or whether it's, you know, the administration from uh, Florida State or its fan base. Uh, and, you know, they talk about, hey, look, winning on the field should matter and all of this stuff. And again, I go back to these other instances of non-power conference teams who went undefeated and never got the opportunity. And it just it strikes me as ironic and just kind of overall funny. Yeah, but when you put your coaching hat on, and most of the coaches that have talked about this have been disappointed in this selection of not having a team that did everything they could possibly do on the field, and now you're basing it off the quarterback play, which this is the ultimate team sport. So most coaches are going to side with Florida State or whatever else, and rightfully so, because they were asked to do something. They did it, and they still got rejected. Yeah, all right. We got a a couple of calls uh, coming in here. I do want to try to see if we can squeeze uh, these callers in if they want to get on the air before we have to take another break we're going to do our best and worst in just a little bit we have glenn on the line can we take uh glenn's call here glenn what's up hey how's it going guys hey how's it it? yeah i just had a quick question you just mentioned liberty um what do you think their chances are in the game against oregon and should it have been smu because i know they were like a part of that uh Mixed two for the group of yeah, five. I, I would say you know again uh, if we're applying the eye test, SMU is the better team than than Liberty. Liberty unfortunately is going to get absolutely diced and sliced and shellacked by Oregon. I think that that's a, a safe bet for yeah. sure. And yeah, SMU certainly had uh, a beef there. But again, that's like the the sort of randomness of the selection committee. You know, you saw some of the rankings, mm-hmm. and if they did do a, a twelve team tournament, Liberty would have been in. And I'm all for it because they went undefeated. They should get an opportunity. But if you're just now trying to dole out spots in the New Year's Six Bowl games, uh, then, yeah, I think SMU, you could probably say, based on the eye test, is the better team. That's true. Yeah, and then... One more thing. I know Caleb Williams isn't playing in the bowl game uh, for USC yet. You think Bo Nix is going to play? And then one more thing. I'll take this off the air. What's the latest on Nick Rolovich's... um, uh, with uh, Nev- that uh, rumor with Nevada. Uh, Thank you. Okay, yeah, appreciate Thanks. the call. As far as Bo Nix, I-, I don't know. If I- I'm his agent, I'm saying no. And, and trust me, I think Christian McCaffrey started this years yeah, ago yeah. in terms of if this is a a New Year's Day bowl, if, if you're in the BCS, if you're one of the top four teams in the country, you got to play. But it, when you're not and you're looking at these $40, 50000000 million rookie contracts – 
it's almost hard for an agent to tell you to play when all, all you can do is get hurt. Yeah, no, the, the New Year's Six Bowls, in fact, all of the other bowl games outside of the playoff have been devalued significantly, significantly. And it's part of the trend as to why these players decide to sit out. So, yeah, maybe you'd be a little surprised if Bo Nix, who is projected as a first-rounder at the moment, uh, if he decides to play in that game against Liberty. I'm not sure how that's going to necessarily help or hurt his stock. All right, uh, Mike, we got like 30 seconds. I want to get you on the air here since you called in. What's up? Scenario. Um, Alabama beats Missouri, Texas beats Washington, Florida beats Georgia. What happens? Okay, okay. So Alabama, Alabama Michigan. beats Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if Alabama beats Michigan, and then what was the other one? If if uh, Washington if, loses to Texas, right? And Florida beats Georgia. <laughs> Florida will be the only team that's undefeated. Oh yeah, interesting. That's, that's true. That's that's and, interesting. And you know, I say every year, right? There's going to be two or three teams that are undefeated. And how many did we end up with this year? But you're right. Going through this talking about games, Florida State, not Florida. Florida, Florida State, State. Yes. And, and you're right. Being undefeated should mean more. But again, this is a beauty contest. This is all about money. And and I agree with Kanoa. Um. Yeah. I. I mean. Yeah. I mean. That. That's. I. I the, the Florida State thing, they would have a, be very similar to what UCF claimed when they sort of claimed their mythical. theoretical or yeah. mythical national championship. And Auburn did the same thing in 2004 when they got iced out uh, for USC, Oklahoma. In BYU the national did the same game. thing in 1984. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. We're, uh, we are we got to take a break. Thanks for the call. Uh, when we get back, uh, real quick on Rolo and then our best and worst. I think Rolo, and I haven't talked to no, Rolo, No, no, no. We so got to take a break. Oh, we'll do it when we it. come back. Okay. <laughs> All right, upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. We got two minutes, Rich. Uh, real quick, anything on Rolo that you wanted to say? Yeah, I think Rolo has a good chance. I think he'd be a great candidate, and I don't know where that negotiation is, but hopefully we'll see Nick Rolovich back in coaching. Yeah, that's right. The Nevada thing's intriguing since he was there as a coordinator. All right, um, let's do our best and worst. What's your best? I'm going best. Uh, Cheetah, Tyreek Hill. I think now, finally him, maybe even Christian. McCaffrey are in a position to be the MVP of the National Football League, which is all we all know is a quarterback award. I'd like to see a positional player. Those two guys, lighten it up. He's going to reach 2,000. He's looking like it, man. They got that extra game now, too, so, so it's a possibility for sure. Um, all right, uh, let's see. Uh, my best uh, Pac-12 mascots are all uh, in <laughs> the uh, Pac-12 championship game. You had all the Pac-12 mascots who were in the corner of the end zone, uh, present at that game. It's very sad, very bittersweet. Yeah, that was a bummer. I agree with you. I am so a Pac-12 guy, the disbanding or whatever you want to call it of the Pac-12 is going to hurt. Uh, all right, what is your worst? My worst, I'm going with the non-pass interference call in that Philadelphia uh, game yesterday. And and to me, that's got to be called... Am I, is, is that the right game? No, the Kansas City game. Yeah. The, uh, excuse me, the Kansas City Kansas game. Kansas City. That has to be called. It has to be looked at in New York. It has to be buzzed down to the officials. That was rape and pillaging. <laughs> that wasn't pass interference. And it's a spot foul. They score. They get the two. I mean, come on, the NFL. You're a $20 billion business. You can do better. They can probably apply a system. They had the reviews for pass interference for like a year, but it was kind of clunky, so they ended up uh, changing that and wiping that away. Um, my worst is Michigan's reaction during the selection show <laughs> at their watch party. <laughs> when Alabama was revealed 
as being their opponent and the four seed in the tournament. That's the only justification that the selection committee needs was their reaction. If it was Florida State, they'd have been like, yeah! Nick Saban but it was magic. Alabama. They did not want any part of Alabama. And there was one guy who put his hood on <laughs> from his hoodie sweater come and just put athletes. it over his head. It was like, oh no. Uh, by the way, um, Nevada, within the last hour it was reported, uh, has hired a new head coach. Jeff Choate is the new head coach for the Nevada, uh, Nevada Wolfpack. Well, Nick Rolovich didn't get it, but keep trying, Nick, because you're a great coach, and hopefully we'll see you again, but interesting choice. Still available. All right, uh, see you tomorrow, everybody. Thanks, Rich.